listening to Bitter Rivals. All right, I'm going to turn your gain up a little bit. <clears throat> so, so Bitter Rivals, I guess we're going to, yeah, we'll focus on the NFC West, on our team specifically. We'll track them through. We play one more time. Do you have, yeah. like, are, are you going to do, like, a... Like intro, do you have anything of that nature? Like, hey, I'll figure it. We'll figure it out. I'm gonna do. There's gonna be some post editing. This is probably this might even be in there. Uh huh. But uh, week one of the 104th season of the NFL. How was your week one Sunday? Week one. What'd you do? Week- Where were you? Where'd you watch the game? Uh, Sunday. I was home. Watched everything basically from home. It was one of those uh, break- seven hours commercial free football. One of those week one things where I was like, hey, like. I'm gonna be here. Just Genesis. laying Just on the couch. Not numbers. over. I think next week I'll probably do a little more uh, venturing out. You know, hang out with the crowd, stuff like that. But week one was more like intimate, I guess, solo. Yeah. Um, week one was, you know, definitely up there. One of those uh, week ones. No one really predicted a lot of. I don't want to say upsets, but it was one of those things where it was like... A lot of the favorites uh, went down. The Chiefs, the Bills, the fucking Bengals. You know, it's yeah. A lot of a lot of uh bets were not made. A lot of bets where you risk were made. I feel like a lot of people that played the parlays. Uh, I would say the only matchup from what I know was the Bears and Packers was kind of like one of the ones where it was like even and was kind of like you had to pick your poison on what you had to pick. I feel like a a lot of people took the Rams that were betting high. A lot of people took. A lot of people took the Lions, which was bet and high. I don't think anybody took the Rams. Everyone no, was saying I, I know, I know, I know. If you, you mean just playing the odds? Yeah, like, just playing the odds, like you know, hitting big. That's you're what saying, saying that's the I worst think, roster the five, in the NFL. The five parlay, four or five team parlay. If you, I, I, from what I know on people that bet big, I would say of all of the matchups that we saw was um, definitely the the Bears versus uh, Packers. So you know, like, I had people picking. This is what I had: I, the five, sixteen parlay, Bears, mm-hmm. Raiders, hit, Open, hit, Eagles, hit. Rams, hit. Cowboys. So you hit, you hit that. All but Bears. Oh, the fucking Bears! Oh, yeah. God. So that's what I'm saying. Like these are the bets I'm getting Woo. from people saying, "Hey, what do you think of this?" You know, this is what I got. That's a lot of teams for a parlay. The sixteen parlay, yeah. you risk a hundred to win. Yeah, almost yeah, six thousand. Yeah. I know, but does it has it ever? I've never won a fucking. But that's the thing, life. like the Bears and Packers. If that's you really thought you took the you thought the Bears. Oh, Justin Fields, he's gonna run it. They got a, a no Aaron Rodgers for the Packers. Right? That was your line of thinking. That's the thing. I feel like if you take that parlay, you take that that game out. It might set you back like on your win odds a little bit more, but. I mean, that was a lot of that was a lot of underdogs. The Rams, a hundred bucks Lions. to win almost six thousand is. A big thing. If you took and them out, you hit five out of six. If you took the Bears out, though, what would your parlay have paid off? Because those I, are a lot. A lot I, of honestly, I, I don't know. It, I mean, it probably would have been at least less than a thousand or two thousand. No, but because like, the Bears were minus one twenty. Yeah. On the parlay. Well, I mean, that's so they were favorited. So that yeah, would, the Bears were the Bears were. So if you took them out, it wouldn't have hit you too hard. The Bears were favored. That's you know, I feel like who won a lot? Anyone who took a lot of the unders. Yeah, there were some. I mean, I was excited to have football back, but there were some boring ass games. <laughs> or if you took like a random bet, like like you know, most field goals missed in yeah, week yeah. one. Oh, that, that was kind of crazy. That was a, like that was crazy. A lot too. of field goals were missed. A lot of even even the Rams missed one. 
But it was 56 yards, but... Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, there's a lot of bets of, that you could honestly put out there, but I feel like that, a lot of the parlays that were put out there, like, if you went against the odds, like, Cleveland... Yeah. Uh, what what the else? Bengals the Bengals like the, the Jets and the Bills. Like, you know, that one was obviously up for grabs, but you know, I the Jets were. Oh, were they oh, favored? Uh, you know what? I don't know. With Aaron Rodgers, they might have been, but I just don't think anyone's been betting against Josh Allen and the Bills the last like three years. But I mean, he gave that game away. He threw three interceptions to the same fucking guy. Betting, you know. Speaking of underdogs, people were saying that the rant like all over sports media. That the Rams are the worst roster, blah, blah, blah. They're tanking. They're going to try to get Caleb Williams. But they're not, like, obviously. I have an interesting stat here. The McVay era started 2017, right? Mm. That, that was, we had one year of uh, Jeff Fisher, fired his ass, brought McVay in. He was 30 years old. Think about that. That's younger than us right now. So uh, in the NFL, since 2017, Wins 68, second most. Playoff wins, seven, second most. Super Bowl appearances, two, second most. The only team that's better? Can you guess? Kansas City. Yeah, the only team that's been better is Kansas City. So, I mean, like, people are doubting the Rams, but, I mean, McVay's an elite coach. Well, last year was... He's had two mediocre years. That was a bad... Last year was, like, a disaster year, but everything went wrong. The O-line, they had the most... I think they held. They set a record for the most O line combinations in NFL history because yeah. everyone on the O line just kept getting injured, and they just mo- moving guys around, signing free agents, signing guys up from the the practice squad. They yeah. lost. They, they Coop, lost players. Stafford went out. Coop a went lot out. Of players left. Aaron Donald went out. We had fucking Baker Mayfield signed, signed yeah. elsewhere. You know, it was. I mean, that, that's kind of the trend, I guess you would say, when a team wins a Super Bowl. When Seattle won the Super Bowl back in yeah. 2013, they won. They had all those guys on rookie contracts still. They were entering their fourth year after they won the Super Bowl, which made them go to the Super Bowl again. And then yeah. even after that, when they lost the Super Bowl, they lost a good chunk of their players due to retirement or players signing elsewhere. That, that defense, right? Which, I mean, if you really think about it, a lot of these teams are kind of piggybacking off of the same formula on how they're drafting, how they're setting up their teams. I would say Dallas is kind of slowly trying to transition with that, even though they took a hit with Dak and it's a possibility they trade him next year because they're starting to realize like, damn, the Niners formula is kind of the same as Seattle's formula when they drafted and got lucky in getting Russ and they had all these players. And the only person I think they traded or signed was Marshawn Lynch at the time. Well, I mean, I want to say, because the Niners... The only player they signed and traded for was Christian McCaffrey. I mean, that, but it's a hell of a, a player to trade for, especially in that Shanahan scheme. He, he, and he's like a just a fucking Swiss Army knife of a, of a you know, of a player. But, um... See. I really, I genuinely thought the game they played against Pittsburgh was going to be really different. Oh, yeah. But, I... I mean, it is what it is. We don't... Week one, I mean, I feel like Everyone kind of is like in shambles in regards to how these teams are setting up in preseason. Like, there's a lot of how, how much, how much pre. I feel like this season really opened my eyes to how important preseason is because if you're one of those teams like the Lions that really made their preseason their season, like, hey, we're gonna come in and like showcase everything. What they did, yeah, don't get me wrong, the Chiefs didn't have everything that they could have had, but at the same time. 
they went out there and showcased everything from the second the ball was snapped on the first play of the game to the very last one. They let everybody know, like, hey, we're here, we're real, like, we're genuinely invested in what we got going on here. Yeah, the Rams kind of started this, like, don't play anybody in the preseason at all, and then everyone kind of just copied. But now it's like now the preseason season isn't nothing because the last couple of years, week one, ever since everyone started copying that formula, week one, everyone looks so sloppy. There's a lot of bad football, and it feels like it, it takes everyone a little bit longer to get going. There's a lot of players that don't play preseason. Exactly. There's these, there's these top paid players, and it's like I get it, but at the same time, it's like, but that's a new trend. It is a new trend, but at the same time, I was like, are we doing this to preserve our players, or are we doing this to not showcase what it is we're going to do in the season? I think it's to say that because the, the, the fucking game is meaningless, it, it means nobody fucking watches them. I'm saying fucking a lot. And stuff. Nobody watches the games, the preseason games. That's, what, that's why they got there, you know, I don't know. Um, well, for me, I, I, I'm not a fan of that because I feel like, I mean, do you watch the preseason, though? Do you watch it? Yeah, because it's football. Don't get me wrong. I do I, I watch it because watch, football. I can't watch this preseason. If it's like a good matchup, I'm like, okay, I want to see what these. <laughs> yeah, what, but then I, you're not seeing the well, guys. It, well, the you got to think about it. You're like, okay, which teams had good drafts? Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm going to watch. You want to see some rookies? Anybody that had a top 10 pick, and for sure they're going to showcase those top 10 players within at least the first two weeks, like the Raiders or, you know, Seahawks usually are a team that you have a lot of draft picks and usually play all of their draft picks in the preseason to showcase what they are. They determine if they're going to make the roster or they're not. So those teams like in that nature, okay, it's worth it. But at the same time, it's like, okay, no one's getting their feet wet. And then when they do let these players come in, it's like the last game should be of the preseason should be all starters starters starters, in, not just first two downs. No, not even first two downs. Like, no, like you guys are playing the first half. Like, let's go and, you know, get our feet wet, get our muscle memory going. Let's get back on it's on probably track. It's good for the because, conditioning of your muscles. Well, not even that. Like the Aaron Rodgers injury yeah. showcases. Okay, what kind of conditioning was is he doing? What were they doing in camp? What was he? Li- is he he's going from zero to sixty Wait, basically one week. It was in preseason he had what one snap yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. if that maybe two. Well, hey, regular season he had four. <laughs> yeah, I know that's what I'm saying, but that, that's but that's the thing. Like you're you're putting a veteran quarterback in a high caliber young team where they're going a hundred miles per hour and this happens. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't want to say we didn't see this coming, but it was definitely in the back of someone's head. Like, Hey, well, what if he gets injured? You know, where's Kate? What are the odds of the, that the jets have the, the luck that the jets have is going to be one of those things where it's like, Hey, you guys are kind of cursed. These kind of things happen. This has happened before. Boom. Though. This has happened to them before too. Vinny Testaverde, right? Like then the same thing happened to him. Yeah. Achilles rupture the first the first game of the season. Yeah. So I mean, you gotta put all these things in play when it comes to preseason, but at the same time it's like, how does the NFL transition from being the high priority players make their investment worth money? Like how do they make going into the season worth more than the off season? Because right now it's all these off season move and you're giving you're over you're over promising and underachieving to the fans to the organization and essentially to the players that have already been there are still busting their butts off to showcase what they're worth and you have all these players basically like a under in an underdog system or underdog mentality like 
these guys are here to play and work their butts off. And then you have all these other guys that are here just to kind of collect money and play. Like they don't love the game. But you know what? Like you kind of see that too after someone gets paid. Like look what happened to Joe Burrow. Was, he got made the highest paid player in NFL history. And then like even at that level with his mentality and everything that everyone knows him to be, he still comes out and it's a little bit nonchalant. It's a little bit you know, underperforming. It, that happened, it seems to happen with every player that, right after they get played. But anyway, let, let's talk about, this is Bitter Rivals. We're talking about the Seahawks and the Rams. We played each other for week one, right? I say we because I am an, unoffi- an unofficial member of the team. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Well, I'm, I'm a Seahawks <laughs> fan. B, as in uh, Jeremy. Know, Jeremy was... Myself, I am a Seahawks fan. Uh, you know, this is where we uh, kind of got the idea from um, making some sort of rivalry. Because we hate each other during the season. No, obviously there's rivalry, but we wanted to create something where it's fun and we, you know, showcase how we feel and all that nonsense (laughs) that the NFL fucking brings to your emotions. (laughs) But, you know, like, I'm also married to a Seahawks fan. So, you know, but my son's a Rams fan now. And then uh, she, well, the deal was that I got our son and uh, she got the dog. So he has a Seahawks jersey. The dog has a Seahawks jersey. But then, yeah, we played each other week one. I was, I was also, I was prefacing, I, we're saying we, I was joking about that because some people get mad when you say that, when, you, when you're talking about your teams and then you say, oh, we did this, we did that. The Rams and the Seahawks played each other. Those are the teams we root for. The game is uh, Lumen Field. I would say it was the... Uh, 30-13. It was a battle of halves. It was the first half versus the second half, and the second half won the game. Second half, uh, Seahawks had three total yards until garbage time, where they added nine more yards. Yeah. That's 12 total yards. It was very limited. It was very one-dimensional, and it was very eye-opening and to the bigger picture of the future. And I've been not slowly trying to transition my love for Pete Carroll out of what we're trying to do, but I genuinely feel like he's entering that time. If we're genuinely thinking about the league, genuinely thinking about the NFL, we're thinking about McVay, Sala, Brian Dable, you know, all Mike these McDaniel. Mike, Mike McDaniel, all of, all of these young rising coaches that are simplifying the game, but to where it makes sense to the quarterback. And when you think of all the coaches that lost this week, which are the veteran ones, Mike Tomlin and the Steelers lost. Old, old school, hard-nosed defensive guys. Same thing. Bill Belichick, same thing. Defensive guy. And Carroll's a guy that's gonna want, that wants to pound the rock. He doesn't Because a, like, a lot of the guys you mentioned, they're offensive guys, and they're all about disguising uh, formations and, you know what I mean, like kind of keeping defense. defense on their defense toes. Defense run first, basically, yeah. of how they... Scheme. Obviously, when Belichick had Brady, it was a little bit different, but he doesn't have Brady anymore, so he kind of is going back to what he knows. Same thing with Pete Carroll. Is we know he's a West Coast offense guy. We know he's a defensive guy. We know he's a run-first guy. And I feel like the transition in where the league is going and where I see our young, talented core, I feel like this, we could be entering the last season or possibly... This either be his last season or the following season of Pete Carroll. Well, oldest coach in the league, how old is he? Who, Pete Carroll? Yeah, 72. Uh, maybe older than that. I feel like he's... He's the oldest coach in the league. That's all I know. He's definitely the oldest coach in the league, but I, 
I know for a fact he's oh he's older than Belichick, right? Yeah, I think by like six months or something like that. Is he the oldest coach in the NFL history? Oh no, the, Gi- the Giants. Yeah, head coach Bill Parcells. No, not Parcells. Um, the Giants when he when they won with Eli Manning the first year and second year. Right. What was his name? Tom Coughlin. Yeah, Coughlin. I believe he is the oldest. Uh, of you know tenured speaking of the young the next generation all that stuff you guys just drafted for that what do you think of how do i put this what do you think of your front four first of all because stafford zero sacks with a uh rams fresh brand new o-line except for rob havenstein i feel like it's not the front four i feel like it's coaching because i feel like when we were good at defense we did have um, I'm drawing a blank right now. Oh my God! What's this? Uh, head coach of the Atlanta uh, Falcons. Uh, yeah, uh, Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. But yeah, everyone was doing that uh, after uh, he that was successful. Everyone was copying that defense for a while. Now everyone's copying the Vic Fangio uh, three four uh, nickel defense, a four three base defense. So that's what Dan Quinn's you know was known for. But yeah. even then, we had um. We had the other guy that went to. I feel like all of our DCs go to fucking Dallas for some yeah, reason. Yeah. Uh, was uh, yeah. I mean, but you know, you so. I mean, our front four isn't. That was disappointing. No, I mean, and didn't you guys just add to that line, or you you add, and you added some like new edge rushers? What you who'd you draft? That was like a problem that everyone knew you guys had, and you you guys supposedly addressed it, right? Mm, kind of. I mean, defensively, we only. I mean, our first round draft pick was um, Devin Witherspoon, who was a DB. Um, good pick. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, we got we signed Nuosu from San Diego. Oh, didn't he get injured? Mm, I think he came back into the game. Okay. Yeah, he did. He did get injured on our play, but he came back in the game. We did get uh, the other, the lineman from Denver. Uh, was it Draymond? Is it Jones? Draymond Green. I don't know. I'm not really. The Seahawks, this is your uh, your domain. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we, our front four isn't great. But... Like Stafford was, was clean as a whistle. His his uh, jersey was pure white. We, we, <laughs> we brought back. Jaron Reed from Green. I think it was on. He went to Green Bay for a couple years. Um, but honestly, I I I feel like our team went in thinking we had a W. I feel like they played like, hey, we won the first half. Let's go out there and do what we did again and, and with less effort. And that's exactly what they showcased. They went in there. They didn't play defense. They let the Rams run the ball. They let the they gave up coverage. And don't get me wrong, like, yeah, we had Pete Carroll was trying to test the waters with all of the cornerbacks we had. But at the same time, like, all the cornerbacks that we have proved themselves last year because it's literally all the guys we had. Mike Jackson. So you're happy with your cornerbacks? Because I was going to say, keep in mind, we, we had no Cooper Cup. Yeah. Everybody who caught a pass, 90% of NFL fans have no idea who the fuck they are. Tariq Woolen, I just feel like... Like I said, I feel like they once we won the first half, everyone came in the second half and just took a step back like, okay, this is going to be easy, and it wasn't. 
I did say at, when we we're watching the game at uh, my brother-in-law's house, I was like, what's the Seahawks have like no fire. It's week one. You're supposed to be the most fired up. They had like it, feel, it felt like they were like bored or something. I, that's what I was. That's how I felt. That's how I read it. I well, I, I just feel like there's no character. There's no you know personality on the defense that's gonna pump everybody up. Like if you think about it, it's like okay, who's our personality? Who is the Richard okay. Sherman? Who is the oh, Earl that's... Thomas? Who is the Cam Chancellor? We don't have any of those guys on our team anymore. If we do. It's maybe Jamal Adams. Maybe. Oh, he's not even there. Right yeah, now. and he's not even there. It's maybe Jamal Adams, and it's maybe Devin Witherspoon, because we don't know what that person is when he's on the field. Speaking of Witherspoon, we have a cornerback uh, named Witherspoon. Yeah. Did you see DK blindside block him from the back? I stopped watching after the You didn't see that? So that was a lot of things I didn't see after. It was egregious. I mean, the dude's standing there, and DK just walks up behind him and pushes him down the ground. Hurt him. Hip contusion, ribs. Uh, uh, and he didn't even get a flag for that. He got a flag the ne- during the next play for taunting the sideline because all, all the coaches are yelling at him. So I, I'm sure, I'm 100% positive he's going to get like a, a you know $30,000 fine in his locker tomorrow. Or I mean, they usually get to it the next day, so he probably already got it. Uh, did anyone stand out to you? Did any, you're like, uh, what, in Jigba? Yeah, Jackson Smith and Jigba. He only had, I think, two or three targets. The one catch he did have was... Nice. It was, you know, a good pass from Gino inside. And there was about, I want to say, three defenders around him, which was something good. But for me, what I don't understand is our preseason was all about Jake Bobo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Drafted Jake Bobo from UCLA. Yeah. He went through the transfer portal from Duke. He was a good Duke wide receiver. Goes to UCLA. Does great. We draft him. Does great in the preseason. And he's targeted once and well Gino couldn't get the ball out yeah he's tar- targeted once but not that it's just like if you're doing good in the preseason you're like the preseason guy like that we see showcasing talent what are we doing to make this guy like the next guy like yeah. okay I get it what we have Tyler Lockett we have DK Metcalf but we know what those guys are capable of Tyler Lockett got injured from what my understanding, I stopped watching the game. I think he's in concussion protocol. Concussion protocol. I didn't see that happen because I stopped watching after the third quarter. I was like, we're going to freaking lose. Like, this is stupid. Like, it's literally, this game was literally going nowhere. Well, you guys had a chance. Well, go on. I'll, I'll bring this. We up. had nowhere. So in my head, I'm like, okay, we have this guy in the preseason, goes off, showcasing great separation, great route running. He's a sizable guy. He's a jump up and catch kind of guy. He's basically like, a taller Doug Baldwin doesn't have the speeds there, but he's basically that guy. And in my eyes, I'm like, that's what we are that we could pivot off that we can. Why wasn't the game plan after halftime? Hey, let's put Bobo in some of these schemes. Let's see what we what plays we have for him. And unless it was dang, our offensive line is really the problem, a bigger problem than what we think then okay i understand that but at the same time it's like why weren't we trying it if he only had maybe one or two targets i think throughout the whole game max three i honestly don't know the numbers exactly but i remember looking and i'm like there's no way this guy only got this many targets and he was you know the highlight of the preseason so for me i'm hoping that's what we're doing in practice now and that's our game plan if lockett's in concussion protocol and we're going dk 
Jackson Smith and Jigba and possibly Jake Bobo. I'm in my head. I'm like, there's no way we don't make him kind of that guy like the Rams did with um, what's the name of Pakur or the Uh, uh, Puka Nakua. Puka Nakua, yeah, like the Rams did with him, like rookie. No one saw that coming. Showed out, came out there, showed out, and 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 preseason he showed out. But that's the thing. Those are the things where I feel like, as when it comes to coaching and it comes to, to game plan and stuff of that nature, like I feel like. Pete Carroll's one of those guys where I feel like he thought this week, week one, was going to be something easy. And the Rams came out and slapped him in the face. And Pete Carroll didn't want to showcase a lot of his, their, their film to the Lions. Because we're playing the Lions next week. So I feel like he didn't want to give Dan Campbell a lot of film to see, hey, this is what we're going to throw at you. Because I feel like they thought week one, we'll do what we have. We'll go subtle. We'll go easy. Because we got to prepare for week two because it's going to be harder. So that's your theory on why they look so unprepared. Kind of my theory. So if we go out and ball out against the Lions, then I'm right about that. Then maybe Pete Carroll is kind of one of those, I need to prepare for our tougher battles and, you know, see if we succeed in these little wars that we have against these teams that we think we can beat. So you thought it was like just a tactic for the... Possibly. Uh, I don't... But, but I also think it did... The tactic changed when we had all these players... Well, I mean, if it changed, it's he certainly didn't make any adjustments because the no, second half was one of the worst halves of football I've ever seen Seahawks play. I think he did. I think he was just like, "Hey, this is our game." He's like, "Hey, fuck it, we lost." In every in his eye, if oh, he's in his eyes, they're already winning at, at halftime. He's thinking, "You guys are my, you guys are the next man up. You guys are the guy. This is what we practice for. If you don't know what we have set up, then that just tells me you're not ready, kind of thing." And it's a possibility he did do that. Yeah. But in my eyes, that's what I see. As I see Seattle saw this as a week one victory, easy. Let's go and do this game plan. And we're going to do this. And we don't want to put too much on tape. So we don't give the Lions anything to come off of because the week two is tougher than week one. Yeah. And if you really think about it, at the end of the day, those coaches that we mentioned earlier, Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll. Those are the guys that are thinking about their tough matches versus the easy ones. And they're going to use that as a coaching mechanism or a coaching, you know, tactic to make their players better. Like, hey, this is what we did this week. And we didn't, what we're going to do next week is going to be different because this is what I wanted to show you guys that if we couldn't do this and we thought these guys were easy and we couldn't execute on the game plan. Next week, I'm going to show you what the real game plan is. And when we execute, if it works, then those kind of conversations work in the long term of what it is these players that need to step up when called upon really need to step up. Like, hey, if you can't be this guy, you're cut. Or, you know, we got to start reaching out and bringing other people's up. Here's the thing, though. Coaching-wise, big picture-wise, if that were true, it's a terrible decision because this is a divisional game. But you gotta you gotta think about it. You but if you really if you genuinely think about it, well, who cares if you beat the Lions if you fucking if you're but if you but that that makes sense. Like if you think yeah. about it, okay, like why wouldn't they go with that approach? Hey, so you think the that Rams don't have cup? The Rams yeah. defense is full of rookies. The the Rams, you know, the only players that they have is Tyler Higby on offense yeah. and Matthew Stafford. And people that's what, that's what, what the narrative yeah. was. That's what the narrative was. And they and McVay saw that as an opportunity. And I think he took advantage. I think of McVeigh McVeigh's six and one in uh his, since yeah. two thousand seventeen. He's six and one week one. Well, not only that, he's I think he's undefeated in Seattle as well. Oh really? Yeah, I, I see. I, I that's something I should know. I he I think no. Didn't you guys beat us last year in L.A.? Oh okay. That's what I'm saying. The same thing. That's all I remember because I was fucking there. 
Well, anyways, I was going to say, you guys did. I mean, we were there. I know <laughs> we were both there. We, we had one tailgating spot for like 50 people. <laughs> fun times. That was really fun. Um, I was going to say, you guys, you, we're all, the Rams were only up 11 at, when uh, you guys were driving down the field when DK got that 15-yard penalty. It killed the drive. And then the Rams went up another, uh, what, 30-13. But uh, so you were talking earlier about Puka, uh, Puka Nakua at a BYU. Uh, I saw this thing where they, where they had all the rookies like spin a wheel, and his, he landed on a, like, it was like a wheel of things, like rookie hazing things. And he landed on call the most famous person in your phone. And he called Dana White and he called his un- <laughs> uncle Dana. I think him and the Dana White's son like are, uh, were friends. And- oh, right on. D- 10 receptions, 119 yards. He looked like Cooper Cup Jr. out there. Yeah. Tutu Atwell, who everybody's always made fun of us for taking uh, instead of Creed Humphrey. Same thing, 119 yards on six receptions. He averaged 19.8 yards per reception. That's efficient. Just... Guys gonna cover him. He was just oh, breaking away. When all these guys were drafted, there, or when the Rams drafted Tutu Atwell last year, their intention two years ago. Two, well, it was two years. No, ago. So this is his third season. So when they, but at the same time, when they drafted him, he didn't get any PT, and then his second year, they didn't have Stafford, and now they have Stafford, and it was one of the things. They're like, okay, it's your time to step up. Yeah. Like we literally have nobody. You have to step up, and. At this point, if with Cooper Cup on an IR, if if the Rams can do and everything they did this week, week one, next week, week two, we'll get to that. <laughs> if, if they can do that, you know who we're playing next week? Is it the 49ers? Sean McVay, that's the bane of it. We'll talk about that. We'll talk if, about if, that. if, but, but that's the thing. Yeah. If, if they can do, if they can get over that, the Rams really need to consider. Hey, maybe these are our guys. Maybe these young guys that we have and Van Jefferson can yeah. get the job done and use Cooper Cup as, and Aaron Donald as trade bait to get you guys some sort of Aaron Donald look good on positional players that you need. There was some questions. Some people, it's silly. They're questioning Aaron Donald at the beginning of the season. He looked good. He no, yeah. Oh, really yeah, yeah, he, he did. He looked like uh, like a new man. He said this is the hardest he's ever worked out during the off season. Yeah, I I mean, he, he's he knows these are his, his last, last couple years, last yeah. couple years. He's like, this is either my last year, this year or next year, or you know, if I get another year, I'm lucky. He's. Did you see? So speaking of Aaron Donald, the I, I wanted to touch on this. Geno Smith. Uh, no, he's like, oh my god, he just throws the ball. Dude, you could almost hear him shit his pants. If you listen closely, he was, like, scared. I would be, too. You can't really... That's the joke, right? It's like, everyone's like, oh, you know what? I would be, too. But that is funny that the mic picked it up. Funny that he said it. it have you seen the clip, though? No, yeah, Let me... Let's... Here, I'll, I'll insert the clip. But look, look how fast he comes off the... You don't even get the full view in this clip. You could see him go around, like... Like he goes, did he get knocked up, down? Though? And then he goes like, around. I know it's like a. Yeah. I think he just pushed him down because he released the ball already. So we already talked about the the we talked about the second half numbers for the Seahawks. Rams came out generally unscathed, besides uh, oh, a a Akilo, Akilo Witherspoon, the guy that DK pushed down. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, McVeigh said he's not going to miss any time. Seahawks, on the other hand, you guys lost two O linemen, I think, and Tyler Lockett. We lost Abraham Lucas. 
right tackle, and we lost Charles Cross left. And you're signing a 41-year-old Jason Peters today to replace him. Charles Cross. How do you feel about that? Is, is, are you like, I mean, O-line is it's a hard thing to get right. You know what I mean? Like, to get a unit that performs consistently week in, week out. Well, I mean, if you think... Get a guy off the couch. Jason Peters never had a down year. So if you think about that, that's kind of like a good thing, I guess you would say, in regards to grading or level of that signing. Was it a... I mean, you really got to think about it. Like, what are our other options? Who else yeah. is out there? They're, the options out there are minimal at this point. And it comes down to we either make a trade, if anybody wants to make a trade, which at this point of the season, I think the underdogs that overachieved don't want to give up anybody. And the, you know, the big dogs that underachieved got to regroup themselves and see what they got going forward next week. So I don't see any significant trades on O line happening at least it maybe at least till week eight, if that. Or before the before trade deadline. Trade deadline. Um, so I mean, do I think it was a good signing? Yes. Because you need somebody. because we need somebody. Is there probably possibly someone on our practice squad that we could bring up? Yes, because I know we signed him and we probably put those two players, Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas on the IR, and we we released two guys, which means we have three spots available to bring people up from the practice squad. So signing a forty-one-year-old off the couch is—do you think do so? They view him as a better option than anybody on the practice squad. Anybody in the building? I, I view him as someone that has experience. Yeah, and I see him as someone that. If our only option is rookies off the practice squad, we need a veteran presence because we literally have none. But the O-line is so much about cohesion and shorthand and like being, playing together as a unit, bringing a, a guy in that's unfamiliar with your, your... We did that two years ago, and it didn't work. Yeah. Where we thought we could do with what we had, and it didn't work out. When we had Dwayne Brown, and he got injured, and then we went with our rookies, and it didn't work out. And we had all these guys. What was we had? Uh, what was that guy that we signed from the Giants? I forget his name, but we had we, we signed a lineman from the Giants. Was it Eric Flowers. No, it was a, it was a, <laughs> a lineman. He had like braids oh, and okay. stuff like that. I forget his name. Um, but and, you know, it's a possibility we bring him back because from what I know, he's still a free agent. Yeah, I don't think he got signed anywhere. Um, I think it was like Fluker or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Like David Flew or something like that. Um, um, so yeah, I mean, do I think it was a great signing? We'll see. Do I think it was a good signing? Yes. Do I think it was something we needed to do? Yes, because if we lose two offensive linemen, let alone our left tackle, that's a big thing. And if you're bringing someone that's, that's always had success and has had a a good, you know, background and a good rap sheet on what he's done, nine time Pro Bowler. Been in, obviously been in the league for twenty seasons, but at the same time, it's like okay, can you know? Sometimes old linemen can do that for one year. You know, the Rams did it when they had uh, what's name of Whitworth? Whitworth, yeah. Came in, he stayed like five years. 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 He was there. They won the Super Bowl, and then he came back another year after that. So I mean, it definitely can happen. It de- it definitely can benefit you know the the old line, and it just all comes down to like. How does 
Pete Carroll and how does the O-line coach and the O-linemen that are trying to, you know, get their name out there and get a spot on the roster take that approach and take the, you know, knowledge that he has and, and put it into play because ultimately that's kind of what I think is happening where, dang, Pete Carroll is like, I have a massive hole and there's no way my, off, my offensive lineman coach is going to be able to tackle this by himself. I think Whitworth retired after the Super Bowl, by the way. He didn't come back for one more year? I, he came back and like kind of coached a little bit. Oh, okay. But, uh, but so he didn't, he didn't retire during the year? No, no, no. He tired. Right, I think right after, like right before the next season started. Oh, okay. His wife didn't want him to go no more. I don't, yeah. He, no, he waited. He waited no, until like I, last I didn't, minute. Because I know they asked him in the interview yeah. when they won the Super Bowl. He's like, I didn't. He wasn't. Un, he, he, like, he didn't want to make a decision. His daddy's last. Uh, he was telling his daughters, it's always daddy's last uh, game here or something like that. But anyways, uh, so I have like segments kind of outlined out a little bit. Did you want to talk anything about fantasy outlooks? Do you have any anything to add to that? I know Puka Nakua is the number one waiver wire ad. Uh, you know, fantasy wise, no. I just feel like when it comes to fantasy, like what are these what are these analysis saying that is accurate? But do you have anything re- pertaining to the Rams or the Seahawks? Mm, if you can't get anybody hot on the waiver wire, take a risk. On getting Jake Bobo because Tyler Lockett is okay. technically going to be in the concussion protocol, may not play. Yeah. And I also think now that the game plan for X amount of games is going to change. All hands on deck. They're gonna not be- all hands on deck, but it's going to come down to we need to play fast. Okay. And if bringing in younger players means we're playing fast and we're doing things quick. Jake Bobo is a Doug Baldwin kind of receiver. He's going to get separation. He's going to do inside cut routes. He's going to get open on the post. He's going to be one of those guys that can jump up and make a play. And he's going to be one of those receivers that isn't going to have the dominant corner on him. He's going to have, you know, the second or third string guy on him or third option on him, I guess you would say, yeah. depending on position on what the what team they're playing in, what that DB position they like playing on the field is. He's going to be one of those guys that can make a play that showcased what his talent is and, you know, can possibly go out there and get a 15, 20 point fantasy game if he gets lucky and if they implement him into the game plan. Okay, so that's a sleeper from Jeremy, Jake Bobo. And then I got the three waiver. I mean, everybody's going to know this by now. Puka Nakua, Tutu Atwell, and Kyron Williams. He totally overtook, I think, the RB1 position from Cam Akers. Yeah, I, I. I knew that the Rams liked him. They liked him last year, but he. Got injured. Freak injury. He did really well. Season. Two touchdowns. I didn't see you dropping him <laughs> from what I saw. No, you know what? I, I, so I drafted him. I think I had a drop. I have Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey in one of our leagues. We're in two leagues together. Yeah, yeah. I had to drop him in one league because I, I had to pick up like a tight end. I think yeah, I, yeah. In our league, you, you, you had to pick someone up and and the, I the league I on the quiz screen. I picked up Noah Fent, and that was that. Pissed no, me that off. didn't do anything for you. <laughs> I could have told you that. <laughs> I had no idea that he fell that low on the on the depth chart. Well, <sighs> or is he just not targeted? No. Okay. So, like I said, what I mentioned before is Pete Carroll is very <laughs> game plan and matchup persistent on how the year goes. So Noah Fent will not become fantasy relevant until about week four <laughs> or week five. Okay. Because Will Disley is always going to be yeah. a touch first guy because one. Wait, Will Disley still there? 
Yeah, he had the most touches from okay. all of our, our tight end. Well, if you look at those two guys side by side and you're like, which one of these is a fantasy monster? And you're like, Well, the, I mean, if you, I mean, obviously, if you're in a predicament where you yeah. have to pick someone off the waiver, I'm just, I just mean visually and you want to go with someone from Seattle. He's like, like me, a, you telling me like, who should I get? No yeah, offense. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell you, no, Will Disley. your best bet is Will Disley from week one and week four only because hate it or love it. He usually gets injured by week five. Yeah. 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 It's a thing. And that's kind of like has been his trending thing. over. Is he still getting the same targets even with uh, Geno Smith? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if you know this, but last year when Geno Smith took over, his first touchdown pass was to Will Disley. Oh, okay. Okay. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. So running a little low on time. Uh, but, you know, these are just outlines of segments. I think we could, like, probably uh, next time with more planning, re- reel in, like, a, a gambling or a, or a prediction or parlay thing. That I'll let you maybe take take uh, control of that. You want? You think that's a good idea? I mean... You like betting? I haven't bet in all year yet. I mean... I mean, I'll, I'll do it here and there, but if anything, like, a lot of... Just as a segment. My, my buddies will reach out to me, like, hey, like, what do you think of this? Or, like, this is what I got. How does it show. look? Yeah, I mean, yeah. We'll do it for the show? We do. We do. All, right, all right. I usually get roughly at least one to two messages a week yeah. in regards to, hey, what do you think of these picks? How, what do you think of this parlay? What do you think of the, the odds on this or the over and under stuff of that nature? I'm like, all right, well. So like I'm saying, in the future, we could like add something, a more defined segment. But for now, let's just talk about our teams, the predictions for next week. The Rams have San Francisco coming into town. Uh, the Seahawks are on the road against the Lions. I think both teams are in a bad spot here. <laughs> like, I well, hate watching the Rams play the San Francisco 49ers. Is it in LA or is it San Francisco? It's in LA, but I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Do the Rams have any significant injuries that happened on Sunday? Uh, no, 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 no. Well, they're, they're relatively unscathed, but we have no Cooper Cup. I generally think it could be a good game. Because I, I feel like... If the Rams could at least tickle the idea of implementing the same defensive plan that they did with Seattle, I already know Shanahan is going to go in and definitely double up on everything. He's not going to double down because of what you guys did last week. It's going to, yeah, it's going to be chippy too. The only thing about the Niners is McVay can decipher what they can and cannot do week two because. The yeah. Niners showcased everything they're going to do every day throughout this. Not only that, it's just that they both come from the Mike Shanahan uh, yeah. coaching tree. But Kyle Shanahan is Kyle Shanahan. He just can't. I, there's something about. I don't know why McVay could beat fucking everybody but Kyle Shanahan. It's like, even when the Niners are bad, they still beat. Like, kind of like with the Rams with the Seahawks. We all know that the Cardinals are going to tank. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gonna, I don't even want to talk this, about the but Cardinals. This thing, Either it's a possibility the Steelers are just that bad. No, oh, yeah, that's definitely a I real possibility. I really think the Niners are going to take a step back this season. I don't think okay. they're going to be as good as they are. Okay. I think they got lucky. I still believe that. Don't Brock Purdy, you, he can't play like that every week. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, don't be surprised if something happens. Brock Purdy in the fourth quarter. Last words. Anything that can, it, it's a possibility. But the only reason be, that is a possibility is because like i said the niners showcase everything that they're gonna do it's gonna be the same thing every game and no matter what they do you it's it's gonna come in a formation that you don't see coming so you have to prepare for the same sequence of things to happen all the time and 
For any other team, yeah, but this is the Rams, and they just have the but Rams that's the thing. number. The, the Rams, when they came out and played, we beat them when it mattered. Blindsided the, the Seahawks, and the Seahawks yeah. felt like that was a win in their pocket, and I it wasn't. Just, just but that's the thing. I feel like... Maybe I'm scarred. Or maybe we're <laughs> giving less credit to McVay. Yeah. And maybe he's, no, maybe, know, he's even... maybe he's entering his prime in deciphering these offenses and defenses maybe. on play on teams that he's playing because if you really think about it like look how long it it took Belichick or how many times it took Bel- yeah Belichick had success but how many Super Bowls did they lose? How how much success do you have without Tom Brady? I think he has like all losing seasons without Tom he's, Brady. He's not doing anything to benefit his quarterback, like he did when he had Brady, he said he is, yeah, he's I, going back to his roots. I feel like he thought like he could like he Brady was like his punching bag. <laughs> he could just talk well, shit to. I just feel like Brady knew what he Brady wanted, and I feel like yeah. Brady was good enough to express his wants and needs on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, so what about the Seahawks on the road against the Lions in Detroit? <sighs> like I said, there's Lions just beat if if. If I'm if team. I'm right, and sometimes I am, don't get me wrong. If I'm right on the game plan of how Pete Carroll is longevity, time frame, matchups, what we gotta showcase and what we don't gotta showcase. If I'm right about last week on why we lost in regards to underplaying because we thought we had an easy win, I think next week we're gonna overachieve and probably score over 28 points and win and you know not put the Lions back in a humble spot but it'll be maybe 21 28 kind of that scenario and we win and you know see next time I'm gonna have the point spread Jamal Adams possibly could play because he was practicing this week Devin Willerspoon possibly could back and play he was in practice this week so those Things factor into what Pete Carroll's scheme is. Okay, I can do this with these guys, and I know what they're capable. Of. You know what? And and that well, the Lions' line is really good. But if it, Jared Goff has a weakness, it's getting uh pressured. And if you had if Jamal uh, Adams is back, you know that adds, yeah, our front four is bad, but he could blitz boy, blitz boy, yeah, you know, <laughs> and that's it'll work. So 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 are a win? Yes? No? I, I'm going I'm to go win because okay. I... 28-21, would you say? 28-21, yeah. That's what you said? Okay. Seattle. I, I think it's a win only because I feel like everything we saw week one, there's no way week two is the same. There's no... Yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of weird stuff happening. There is see, no way. So, so next week... Like, I wouldn't be surprised if every team next week that lost wins. Well, we did have a lot of favorited teams lose so i wouldn't be yeah i wouldn't be surprised but you know next week i'll have point spreads i'll have more info this we kind of just threw this together you know in a couple of days right and even today was kind of like by the seat of our pants we almost didn't do this yeah but um yeah i guess i'll put in some like i'm gonna edit this we'll have it done what what do you want to do next next week same time same place yeah whatever whatever's clever i'm I'm usually open for anything Well, this is Bitter Rivals. I'm Richie. This is Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. See you next week.